The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. In today's message, as we continue in the life of David, we begin to see David as the deliverer. Today we'll see that as he and his band of misfits roam the Israeli countryside, they hear about a city called Keilah, which was under the oppression of the Philistines. David and his men go down to Keilah and deliver it from Philistine oppression. You see, even though David was not necessarily in the will of God in every aspect of his life, He still served God wherever he went as best that he could. Join us today and for the next couple of days as we see David as a deliverer of the oppressed, even as he himself fled from the oppression of Saul. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my soul. Praise 
You may recall that last time that we were here that we preached from Psalm 142 and we talked about the prayer of David as he was in the cave. Over there with 600 men, men who were like lions, men who had no regard for the Lord, not like David did, surrounded by those whose interests were different than, their, than his, surrounded by those whose hearts in many instances were different than his. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Kind of reminds me of where I go every day. But not in this place, I trust, and not here. And that's why it's so important, as Brother James prayed in his prayer, that the fellowship is so key, key to our experience as children of God. But there are times, beloved, when we don't have the luxury of that fellowship. We don't have access into that fellowship. This week I was uh, asked to come over and speak to the law, at the law school uh, at the Christian Legal Society. Um, there's, they have actually a pretty good little group over there, and I was glad to see that because when I was there, there wasn't many there. There was about five or six, maybe ten at the most. There were probably 30, 35 people there. Uh, but uh, I, I thought as I went in that place, because the law school was not, uh, it, was, it was a good experience that I had, but when I went to law school there, and John Morgan can affirm this, and you can, you can translate this over into any college setting you want to, probably. And when I went there, I didn't feel like I was walking into the fellowship of the saints. <laughs> Not at all. It was actually, uh, there was many times I wanted to run. And I still get the heebie-jeebies when I walk in that place over there. Because I remember what that first year was like. And, uh, but uh, but, uh, but it, was, it was nice and it was sweet. Not to the extent that, I've been able, that we're able to fellowship here today. But it was sweet to, to experience, to be in a place where I realized I didn't have to worry about whether I use the name of Christ or whether I name the name of Jesus. I didn't have to worry about that. Not that I would anyway, but, but now let's all be honest about it. When we're out in the world and we're in places out there uh, that aren't um, friendly to, to the name of Christ and aren't friendly to us, we all, it, you, it, it takes a lot of uh, exercising and a lot of skill, a lot of training, a lot of uh, experience to get to the point where it doesn't make you just... Okay, I said, Jesus, is somebody going to throw a rock at me? <laughs> I said, Christ, I prayed in the name of Jesus. And I, 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 I prayed uh, uh, that, that the Lord would save his people. I, you know, is somebody going to get me? You know, that's kind of, I, I confess to you, it, I think of those things. Now, the, the key to it, child of God, is, is that even when you think of those things, and when, when you're a little nervous about that, you do it anyway. <laughs> you do it anyway. But, that's, but it's natural for us to feel that way. But it was nice to go into a place where I could feel like I didn't have to worry about talking about the Bible or using the Word of God. But it's nice and sweet when I can come here. I don't have to be careful. <laughs> I don't have to worry about whether I'm going to, uh, whether you're going to get up and storm out, or even worse, run down here and try to stone me. You know, you know, I don't have to worry about it like, oh, Stephen. I love Stephen. Stephen was able to stand up and preach yeah. there in front of those people, knowing full well that they were going to hate him, and possibly he might have even known he was preaching his own death sentence. He was making his closing argument uh, and basically uh, setting himself up. Up to be stoned to death you know Stephen was bold anyway and that's the way we ought to be but that's a scary situation and we need the holy boldness of the Holy Spirit in order to do it I don't need that here I need the Holy Spirit and I need to be bold yes but I don't have to worry about that I'm in a place where I'm going to be persecuted for preaching the Word of God but David was there we're gonna see as we go through his life there are several times and we're not gonna get there today I don't think but uh, but there's there's a point where David 
does what is right, even though all of his men are urging him to do what is natural. See, there's a difference in what's right and what's natural to do. And, and of course, I'm talking about when he came upon the opportunity to kill Saul. He had the opportunity to do that, and they encouraged him to do what everybody else thought he ought to do. And in fact, it made perfect sense. <laughs> made perfect sense. The problem was, it wasn't what God wanted him to do. See, David was among lions. He was in a place where he struggled. And we saw last time that I was here and preaching on this, that he started out being overwhelmed, and he ended up singing praises to God. And it was because of some things he remembered and the things that he looked at. And, and, and really, I, I just want to remind you of this, too. He, got, he, he, he verbalized his prayer before God. He vocalized it to God. He talked to God. You know, I hear this often. I've been there where I felt like I could not pray. I've had people come to me and say, Preacher, I, I, just, don't, I just can't pray anymore. What do I do? I, I just, I've lost the ability to pray. What do I do? And you know what my response is? As you pray anyway. Well, I can't form. Listen, vocalize it. You can talk, can't you? You can talk. You say, I can't do it. Oh, yes, you can. You can talk. You can say, you can say, you just told me you couldn't pray. <laughs> Tell God. <laughs> Tell God. Get off by yourself, you know, somewhere. Uh, I don't care if you do it in front of me. I don't, you know, but I mean, you know, people kind of not. You know, actually, I started to say people think you're crazy if you walk around talking to yourself. But we see people doing that all the time, don't we? They get these little earbuds in. You know, they used to lock you up for that. And I, I, was, I was walking around the other day, and some guy was just talking. I thought, man, this guy's crazy. But then I realized he was talking on the phone, you know. So anyway, you won't look near as crazy as you used to would look if you walk around talking to God, okay? Uh, so, so just say, God, I can't pray anymore. I don't know what's wrong with me. God, where are you? God, I'm having trouble. You can tell him all that, you see. So you can pray. You just don't realize it. You can vocalize it. God, that's what David did. That's what David did. And now this morning in 1 Samuel chapter 23, we want to go to the continuation, the continuation of David's journey to the kingship. And remember, the reason we're talking about David in the first place is because we're told by uh, God himself that he was a man after God's own heart. And I think that's the kind of guy I need to know about. Because that's the kind of person I want to be. So, so notice here, and this morning we're going to look in chapter 23 for sure. I don't think we'll get to chapter 24. But in chapter 23 and in chapter 24, we read about David the Deliverer. David the Deliverer. We saw David the, uh, uh, the depressed in the, in the uh, cave. Now we see David the deliverer, and we're going to talk about some things that he does. He was in the cave, and, and one thing, too, that I, I'll just say as, we, as you turn there to 1 Samuel 23, one thing, too, that I love about David is God granted him the ability to write down what he was thinking in all of these times that we read, in most of these times that we read about. He writes, I believe it was eight psalms that he wrote while he was fleeing as a fugitive from Saul. And we get to delve into his mindset, and God inspired him to write these things so that we can identify in many ways with him. Chapter 23 of 1 Samuel, Then they told David, verse 1, saying, Behold, the Philistines fight against Keilah, and they robbed the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Keilah. And David's men said unto him, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we come to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? 
Then David inquired of the Lord yet again. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into thine hand. So David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their cattle and smote them with a great slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. And it came to pass when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David to Keilah, that he came down with an ephod in his hand. Now here we read about David, the deliverer of Keilah. He delivers Keilah, this city, from the hand of the Philistines. Now Keilah was a border town in Judah. It was about 12 miles from Gath, which is a Philistine city. So it was very close to the, to the enemy. It was extremely vulnerable and especially vulnerable during the harvest season because the Philistines would come over and they would raid the storehouses of goods and the storehouses of grains that they had, uh, that they had uh, 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 piled up and, and brought in. And I want you to notice something. <laughs> Notice that this place, Keilah, was really not on Saul's radar screen. Saul, the king of Judah, who should have been their protector, had not sent any soldiers to defend them. He was too busy chasing David. He was too busy. He was fixated upon David. You're going to find that there's a lot of things that malice and hatred will lead you to do, but especially that will lead you to neglect. Malice and hatred... It will cause you to fixate and it will cause you to neglect things that you ought to be doing. Saul had neglected this place and, and they were under attack by the Philistines, the great enemy of Judah. So what did David do? Well, first of all, he inquired of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. Look at verse 2. Therefore David inquired of the Lord. Now that's going to be important as we continue along the life of David. Because you're going to find the time in David's life where he inquired within himself, where he uh, pondered it internally. Instead of inquiring of the Lord, he counseled with himself to do something, and you're going to see what a mess he gets in. And, of course, the Lord delivers him again. The Lord, you know, that kind of one reason I like David is, is I get myself in so many messes, and the Lord delivers me every time. He's, and, and I believe the reason he delivered David and the reason he delivers us at the times that he delivers us, it doesn't just leave us to our devices. It's because we're not willfully going against him. I don't think David was willfully. He was more neglectfully uh, going against God. You know, there's, there's times when we willfully sin. There's times when I willfully sin. And you know what the Bible says about that? There's only a certain fearful looking for of the judgment of God, that the, con the chastening of God that's coming on us when we willfully sin. But there are times when I neglectfully sin. I'm, I'll never forget Brother Mike Ivey standing here in this pulpit made a statement some year or two ago when he preached here. He said, uh, he said he never got in trouble as a young man because he intended to. It was always just because he forgot to do right. <laughs> you ever been there? <laughs> you know, it wasn't because I intended to do evil. It's because I forgot to do right. <laughs> you know, my mom and daddy would tell me to do something, and, I, and I, I, I wouldn't intentionally go out and violate it, but i just forget about it, and I didn't do what they said, you see. Often that's the way it is with us, and that's as much a sin as anything else in the sight of God. But often the consequences are different, and the Lord tends to help us uh, get out of those situations. And that's what's happened with David. He inquired of the Lord. He, there's a time coming when he will not inquire of the Lord. But notice here, he's still doing what God, seeking what God would have him to do. And this ought to be the first thing we do, child of God, and anything that we endeavor. Any, any undertaking we, we, we start, we ought to inquire of the Lord first. And that's what David did. He said, inquire of the Lord, saying, shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines. It's so easy 
for our personal interest to get in the way of God's will. But God, David routinely inquired of the Lord on these important matters. And then we see where he, he not only inquired of the Lord, but he encouraged his men. Notice in verse 3, you remember me telling you, you remember what he said in Psalm 57 and verse 4, the psalm from the cave. He says, my soul is among lions, and I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. This doesn't sound like men that are inquiring of the Lord, does it? This doesn't sound like men of faith. This sounds like men of carnal nature, men of carnal desires, men who's, who are set on fire, men whose teeth are spears and arrows. These are warlike men. These are men that are looking at the circumstances, looking at the things around them. They're not men of faith like David. And they were afraid of the circumstances. You notice in verse 3 it says, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we come to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? They were afraid in Judah of Saul. And now, David, you're saying that the Lord's telling you to go for us to go down to Keilah where we'll be fighting the Philistines on one side and Saul will be behind us. Man, we're, we're going to get in trouble here. We're not, we're not tuned in like you are. So David says in verse 4, notice what he did. David asked again. And notice that David didn't ask again because... He needed to know. <laughs> he asked again because they needed to know. And, and, you know, there was a time when I read of the Lord himself who had constant contact and fellowship with his father. But the Lord Jesus Christ came to uh, the place where Lazarus lay and he prayed with himself, Father, I'm so thankful you hear me. And then he says this, he says, Now I know you hear me always, but for these that are around me here, I'm, I'm praying this so that they'll know that you hear me, you see. And I'm paraphrasing that, of course, but you can go and read it. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes the display of our faith is important to others. The display of our faith is important to others. You know, uh, there was a time in my ministry where uh, I was all mixed up and confused and not certain about where I needed to be ministering, where not certain about what the Lord had for me in my life. And you know what that did to my family? That made them all uncertain, made them all confused, made them uh, cautious, even about coming here to this place. And of course, we know, you know, the end of this story is, is that there's no doubt this is where the Lord wanted me to be. <laughs> but, uh, but there was a lot of doubt at the beginning because, and it came primarily from, from me as the leader, not, not displaying the faith that I needed to display. But guess what? When I started displaying it, it helped them too. It helped. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm faithless in many situations still to this day. But I, I can look back on my life and see in the times when I did inquire of the Lord and I did try to minister to their needs and I was trying to be faithful that it helped them too. That helped them too. If the trumpet make an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself for the battle? If the leaders are all mixed up, you know, what are we going to do? Listen, we're all leaders. This is not just talking about me as a pastor. You see, understand where we are, child of God. We're at Zion Primitive Baptist Church. And, and, and here at this church, don't take this as an arrogant statement. It's not an arrogant statement. It's not at all. It's, it's, a, it's a statement of thankfulness and, and, and praise to God. But, but we know some things here from the Word of God that a lot of people out there don't understand. And you know, it, it comforts me. I, I, don't, I don't ever come to a point in my life where the true gospel message is not good for me. But there's many 
uncertain sounds being made out there in the world. There's many gospel, so-called gospel trumpets being blown, but they're blowing an uncertain sound. Jesus will save you if. God has sent His Son to die on the cross for them if. Uh, God, uh, Jesus died on the cross and finished the work, but... You see, all those things are uncertain sounds. It's like saying, it's like the trumpet blowing, charge, but wait, <laughs> you know, yeah. wait a minute, what do you want, you know? <laughs> Let's go, wait, Ooh, wait. Oh, hold on, time out. What do you mean, <laughs> you know? You, you, you know, the, 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 the mixed up message will cause you problems, you see. And we've got something here that the Lord has blessed us with through His Word here. And we're all leaders in that. You see, I'm, I may be the pastor and supposed to be the spiritual leader of the church, but you are leaders in your uh, web of uh, influence, in your circle of influence. You are leaders, you see. And we don't need to be making uncertain sounds. And we need to be willing to display our faith. And that's what David did. He says, look, God's told me already, but I'll go ask Him again. <laughs> I'll go ask him again. And I love the fact that God gave him an even more specific answer. He says, the Lord answered him and said, Arise. The first time he said, Shall I go? And he said, Go and smite him and save this city. The second time he says, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into thine hand. I like that. God says, Okay, just to make it clear here. I told you before, go, and you're going to say, and go and save the city. You know, let me just make it clear to you. I am going to deliver these Philistines into your hands. Okay. You know, one of the things I love about the Word of God and the promises we find therein is that we find some general promises and we find some more specific promises. <laughs> you know, we find the promise that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's not an Armenian verse, by the way. That's a very primitive Baptist verse. <laughs> That's a true verse. That's a wonderful verse. It doesn't tell us about how we believe. Actually, it does if you read the context. If you go back to the third chapter, actually the first three chapters of John, yeah. you're going to find that all that context is about the new birth in right. different ways. In a different, you know, people that are alive, you know, in the first <laughs> chapter he says, uh, as many as received him, to them gave he uh, the, the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born. In other words... If you've received him, if you've believed on him, that means you've already been born. It, believing doesn't have anything to do with being born. It's not teaching us about how to get born. He's saying those that believe have everlasting life. <laughs> those that believe have it already. Okay, That's not a condition to meet. It's a position you're in. And that's a precious statement there. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But then he gets more specific. He says in Romans and in, in Ephesians chapter one and verse four, he says, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He tells us more specifically in Romans chapter eight, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, whom he called, them he also justified. Do you believe? Do you believe that you're justified by Christ? It's because you've been called by the Holy Spirit. You've been born again. <laughs> And whom he, whom he justified, them he also glorified. 
You know, it's, it's great to know that you've got eternal life, but I'm reading some more specific promises in the Word of God. I'm reading about being glorified. You know, what does it mean to have eternal life? That I'm going to be a wispy angel up there with wings, plucking on a harp, you know, singing on the clouds. And all. No, it's better than that. i got a better story. It says, when we shall see Him, we shall be like Him. <laughs> we're going to be conformed to His image. Our bodies are going to split the ground open one day. We're going to be, we're going to be conformed to the image of His Son. It's going to be glorious. And we're going to be there in a body. See, we get these specific promises. God will do that. He's just, he's just got a way of doing that. You know? You, you ask God, He says yes. And then you ask Him again sometimes, if you're asking in the right vein now. And He'll say yes, and let me tell you more. <laughs> That's what He did here. He said, you go down there, because I'm going to deliver them into your hands. <laughs> and then we see that God enriched his men. God enriched his men. Look at verse 5 and 6. We read that when they went down there and fought with the Philistines, that David's men brought away their cattle and, saved the, and smote them with a great slaughter and saved the inhabitants of Keilah. And then they just moved into the city. And it was a walled city, which was a big deal back in that day. In fact, things got even better because Abiathar, the only survivor from that massacre over in Nob, brought the ephod, which was a big, important symbol of God, of, of, of the worship that they used in the worship there. He brought the ephod over, and he dwelt with them in that city. So he not only helped David deliver Keilah, but he also helped him take a great spoil. So, you know, God's kind of in that business. He's kind of in the business of blessing us. He's, he's in the business of doing exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.